0: This show contains badass material and foul f***ing language. Some people may find offensive. What else did you expect? This message brought to you by Garrison Brewing and Nostal Junk Podcast. Tall Ship Amber by Garrison is an amber red ale. A tasty premium East Coast ale. Brewed with adventure, craft, pride, and independence. This beer delivers on true refreshment with an easygoing style. Drop anchor, hoist a glass, and launch into one. For more information, why not visit garrisonbrewing.com?
1: Welcome back to the Stull Junk Podcast. Hey, this is... Yeah. We are in the dog days of summer today, oh but Oh my god,
0: yeah. I'm feeling it too.
1: I I'm, wa- I'm, You know what? I'm feeling it, but I'm not feeling it.
0: Yeah, I don't think you're feeling it quite like me today.
1: Kyle uh, had a date with the sun today. <laughs> yeah, the glorious that glorious. And I'll tell past you, yeah, I mean, at some point we've all been on a date where we did not consent to something, and this was one of those dates <laughs>
0: yes, well. I mean, I consented. I just, I don't know. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't properly prepared, I guess, or protected. Like, yeah, I didn't get myself in the right headspace for it. He was violated. You know, you just go to the beach and. Um, you have the, all the best intentions and just decide. It's like, oh, it's too hot. Let's go see how the water is. Oh, forgot to put on the sunscreen. Forty-five minutes to an hour later, you're like, whoops! Like you don't even feel it at the time. It was only, you know, hours later when I'm at my house, where I'm like, wow, my um, my shoulders and back are on fire. That's that's great. Yeah, the summer. Yeah, she is. Uh, She's cooking. <laughs> she, she
2: cooking. Yeah, yeah. I think I cooked myself. <laughs> Look at your skin. Stick a fork in me Jerry I'm done
0: The world can feel like a pretty hopeless place nowadays. There are about a billion problems in the world, but yet it feels like no one's willing to talk about them. So that's why you should go listen to my new podcast, A Modern Proposal. My name is Parker James, and I'm going to share with you the world's worst problems and some even worse solutions with a guest that's coming in completely cold. You can find A Modern Proposal wherever you get your pods casted. Listen, follow, and be sad.
2: there, I'm Lisa. And I'm Agnes. And together, we are Sass and Sips, a watch, rewatch podcast. We wanna personally invite you to check out our podcast, where we'll be discussing TV shows from two perspectives. One who has seen the show before. And one who's not so sure. While well, we drink a lot, <laughs> I mean like a lot, a lot. <laughs> Every season, we will focus on a new show and for our first season, we have chosen the iconic show, Lost. We hope that you will come over and check us out. We can be found on your favorite podcast platform or at sassandsips.com. If you're down for drinks, friends, and television, then make sure you listen and subscribe. Because we're down for all of it. Yes. So listen with your bestie, open your favorite bottle, and sip and sass
1: with sass and Sips. Taking inspiration from Kyle's uh, battle against the heat mm-hmm. in the tropical balmy summer of Halifax. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it was 30-something. It yeah. was. It was. Who that's, says cel- gl- that's Celsius. Yeah, yeah well, that's true. Yeah. Who says global warming is a bad thing, right? right. Hey. <laughs> hey, you gotta go? <laughs> we're gonna do a summer episode. Mm-hmm.
0: This is awesome, and especially since this summer movie season seems to be canceled, which is terrible. But mm-hmm. well, one thing we can do is talk about summer movies. The all the great summer movies that have you know come come and gone kind of thing. As we're watching, we're got a little background You, you can't see it obviously, but got some Friday the Thirteenth happening in the yes, background. Boy. Some summer camp action happening. And
1: just like you turn the ripe old age of Oh yeah, 40. This is 1980,
0: right? Yeah, yeah. I forget. Yeah.
1: How do you rank a summer movie? Be it a horror, be it otherwise, how do you rank it?
0: Well, that's the thing like um if I cuz yeah, there's to me there's either two ways to to do a summer movie. It's either You go like the summer blockbuster route, which is like the huge movies, you know, doesn't necessarily have to do with anything with summer. It's just released in the summer. Or the one that I like to talk about, I guess, better would be a movie that takes place in the summer that has something to do with the summer. You can feel the heat kind of radiating even just from the screen. It's just about... Being in summer, some, you know.
1: And it may or may not include that sound of the heat. Yeah. When you're outside, like the, that sound of
0: locusts in the yeah, distance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, which actually is in probably one of the movies I'm going to mention. Most certainly. But uh, yeah, and even just like, you know how the, the wavy, the heat waves, sometimes yeah. when you capture that is like, you can just feel how yes. hot it is there. Ugh. Yeah. We'll talk about the summer blockbusters uh, as just like a broad category, and then we'll do summer movies. Any like kind of genre that take place in the summer, but also we got to give the love to you know our you know our love of the horror with like a summer horror movie, like say, yeah. I mean Friday the Thirteenth yes. on. We might yeah. talk
1: about that, but yeah, you never know.
0: But so in order to start this off, I think we should just like talk about the elephant in the room for summer movies. So this like you just I ha- get it out of the gotta way. Got to expect we're going to talk about it. Might as well get it out of the way because you've heard it all before. This applies to all three categories, and it is of course give it to them.
2: It is as if God created the devil
0: and gave him Jaws. Oh, of course. So, yeah, Steven Spielberg's Jaws, I mean, it pretty much created the summer blockbuster. Well, it it
1: actually, that's where the term was coined from, was... The lines around the block. Literally. Block busting. Busting the block. (laughs) But
0: also just a great movie that you can feel about summer. The beach, you know, the heat... Like everything yep. about the Amity Island and it's just, I don't know, it's just such a great summer uh, setting. Yeah, most certainly. Yeah,
1: yeah. We we honestly should do Jaws justice and really dig in deep at some point.
0: Man, I'd, I'd love to do like a whole Jaws marathon. They re, recently re-released Jaws in theaters now that theaters are starting to open back up.
1: hey um, so Tuesday yeah. night. Yeah, we got to do that. Cause. Yeah, we're going to go Tuesday. But uh, that being said, I also did get the uh, the 4K Jaws forty fifth anniversary edition. I can't believe something I love, <laughs> even though it was only ten years older than me, yeah. five years older than you, mm-hmm. is forty five years old. Yeah,
0: yeah. I want to do an honorable mention because this doesn't really apply to nostalgia, but I know you love this movie as well. But I just wanted to quickly mention it because it is um, a very recent movie that just like evokes heat and it evokes summer and it is about summer and it is Ari Aster's midsummer
1: oh my god i was so happy you just brought this up because this this is honestly already in my top summer movies
0: yeah i know that's what i mean like i didn't want to not talk about it just because it, it is amazing to me and i've seen it twice now and i just love i loved it even more the second only time only twice it. good yeah, for so you far, yeah good
1: for you um
0: but yeah just even the story about how it was made and how they you know like how hot it was while making it and just like it's completely set in the daytime like i want to do this like summer film festival almost like a screening thing where you show those kind of movies
1: outdoors in the middle of the day on a scorching hot day like you feel the heat from them mm. like they look so average like no one looks perfect in that movie and it's like they get more and more emotionally run down as the movie goes on Mm -hmm. to the point where you're with them fantastic movie. If you haven't watched it, I really recommend it. If it's not your type of movie, then this is not your type of podcast either. But it is fantastic and it is the future of horror. This 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 new wave of horror is out of this world. It doesn't need monsters. It doesn't need
0: the tropes that we were used to. Exactly. He's trying new things again with so like Ari Aster and, and Robert Eggers seem to be the two leading the charge on a I oh, I don't know. And Robert Eggers especially seems to be kind of a. Oh, and Jordan Peele. That's true too. Of course. Actually, is is us? We, us might be. Is that take Hell place yeah. in the summer? It does. They look hot too. <laughs> yeah. Like
1: even in night in the darkness, it's like, like a
0: carnival geez, summer carnival. Yeah. I,
1: I, the 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 Adelaide character is sweaty the entirety of the movie, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, as soon as she finds out that basically they're they're around that beach right above the subterranean. Yeah. Entry. Yeah. Yeah. That's she's upset. Yeah, and then in the end of the movie, like, she's she's damp. Yeah, okay, so Us. Us is definitely a hot one. Yeah, a modern something. A modern
0: hot. His friends would say stop whining. They've had enough of that. His friends would say, stop pining. I got one to start off with. Kick it off. Uh, And it's definitely not as dark as the movies we were just talking about, because those movies are pretty dark. So, released July 15th, 1998. I was 18 years old. Worldwide gross, $369 million. God damn. (laughs) And it is... Jesus Christ. The Fairly Brothers' There's Something About Mary. One of my favorite comedies of all time has always been. Yeah. Uh, It's completely rewatchable. You know, every time it's just on TV, I could still watch it. Nice. It actually, and it is a summer vibe. Takes place kind of in the summer. Ben Stiller, uh, Cameron Diaz, even just like a small part by Chris Elliott. Do you remember Chris Elliott And There's Something About Mary? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's like his best friend. And he's just kind of, I don't know, he's just kind of really funny. But just so many, obviously, the sperm yeah. used as hair gel is oh just God. completely iconic, I guess, at this point. Just so many funny parts in that movie. It's just such a great one to go back to and... Uh, definitely a summer blockbuster that i remember very highly
1: most certainly 1999 i am 14 years old american pie hit the theaters oh man yeah that's a good one this movie is one of those movies that if it's on i don't i don't not watch it it's just it can be background noise mm. i still enjoy it as silly as a lot of the humor is you've got an actually really really great cast we'll just tell your mother we ate it all <laughs> One of the big parts of that movie that makes you feel like summer's here is the soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah. You got a lot of pop punk on that. Like Blink. Like Blink,
0: who are in the Come movie. Come on. Yeah, a little cameo.
1: Yeah. So, like, it's just, it's just movies and moments like that in the movies that make you feel like summer's here, and that's one of those ones for me. It doesn't have to be a good movie. It's just one of those ones that takes you back instantly. You close your eyes, and you're like, what's a summer movie? Boom, American Pie for me.
0: Yeah. Also, it, it identifies with, I guess, me and the age group that... How old I was at the time. It's about it was about me and my friends. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. you could totally identify, and it takes place like prom, the last day of school, kind of leading into the summer. Definitely has that vibe. Yes. You know what I mean? And even the guys are like just taking that almost Breakfast Club idea of like they're not complete stereotypes by any means, like the Breakfast Club. But you got the jock, you got the nerdy kind of guy, you got Stiffler, who's like the Uber popular jock yeah and i don't know there's just a nice mix of characters and, and totally believable as a group of friends uh, yeah
1: yeah which like you said it's probably the group of friends that we actually exactly. have in real life anyway yeah that's true yeah so yeah merry goodbye i'll throw that in the hat all
0: right check this one out the same year as there's something about mary um july 24th 1998 worldwide gross 482 million dollars in one of the most stunning best picture upsets of all time It lost to freaking Shakespeare in Love, a movie that nobody can really remember. Oh, come on Steven Spielberg's Saving Private Ryan. And I remember, I still remember this um, theater watching experience because we got there like a little late. The movie was completely of course just like out of control packed and we had to sit in the front row and like the opening 20 minutes of saving private ryan is just not a good place to be. the front row is just not the place you want to be for that but it was still just kind of like takes you completely over what an insane war movie you know what i mean like one of the best i would say war movies ever made
1: that would be one of those movies where you say matt what's uh, what's a good war movie that's one that comes to mind yeah i mean you put tom hanks in anything and i'm in
0: even in the madness it's you can tell it's Spielberg, you know?
1: Yeah. And somehow makes you feel good when you're watching it. But it's so perfectly executed, that's why.
0: But yeah, what a two-week run. Like there's something about Marion saving private Ryan the same month? Right. Same
1: year. Yeah. Okay. The year's nineteen ninety-three. Guess who's still dominating the box office? Senior Spielberg? It is Jurassic Park. Hey. There's something really magical and terrifying about that kitchen scene with the Raptors. Oh, yeah, amazing.
0: I still remember when the raptor jumps towards the camera to, to grab at Alexa as, yep. like, Timmy's trying to pull her through the, the you know, the, the ceiling or whatever. Yeah. And, like, and I, it was, I remember it scared everybody the first time, and then the second time I went back, I even turned in my seat to watch the entire theater go. <gasps>
1: yeah, actually, that moment right there, I have a big memory of, and it, I went to it with my mom. So that scene there, I'm sitting there and I'm laughing already to myself because I know that mom's going to start like, <laughs> sure enough, as soon as that Raptor like jumps up just that split second right before her foot goes she's, and then turns into me. It's like, what is your eight year old son going to do <laughs> using me as a shield? You coward. <laughs> no, I love my mom. Look at those graphics back in 1993. Yeah,
0: it's pretty insane. It's even, insane. And it was—I remember it was one of the first movies that they talked about using like computer-generated images, um, the CGI kind of stuff. And man, like how seamless is it even today? Like when they're running from that first pack of—I um, can't forget what kind of din- dinosaurs they are. Where they take take they take shelter on that little tree trunk, and it's yes. really jumping over them, and it's so perfect looking.
1: This movie is timeless. Combination of acting, effects. And fun. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's a big thing with Spielberg is that he is forever a child Mm -hmm. when he creates the movies. And I, and I feel like that if you go back through his like canon of early entries of movies, you take a look at them, you say, okay, so part of this has to have like an action adventure. Okay. Check. You got to have some strong characters, some funny banter between them. Check. And you have to have some sort of monster to take everyone down. Those are just fun. Mm-hmm. but those are the movies you watch in the summer now did he in part actually create this sense of nostalgic movie going experience where you go to see this type of movie in the summer i mean he must have because like
0: yeah we're, i mean we've already talked about steven spielberg three times already you know right. he pretty much um i think perfected the idea of the summer blockbuster movie he taps into something universally accepted like he, he knows how to tell a story that can involve everybody you know, there's violence, it's action, but it's completely accessible. It's oddly enough, his studio was, you know, before DreamWorks was like universal. yeah. And that's really what
1: his movies are. They're just yes. like completely universal. A hundred percent. We spoke two weeks ago about, on our Videodrome episode, about directors that pair up with certain individuals like Howard Shore and Cronenberg. Well, here you've got Williams and Spielberg. Yeah, John Williams. Yeah, cannot enough
0: cannot be said about the impact his his music has had on movies. Oh
1: my God! I mean, you play any one of his scores, you know them all. Mm, It's crazy. It's kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy how one (laughs) man was like. I know. Here, here's two notes for you.
0: He can lift up the spirit. Like when you're thinking about his yes. um score for Superman.
1: Yes, right.
0: It's just like, whoa. Yeah. It, really yeah. Com- it makes perfect sense. Yeah.
1: It's fanfare. And like he he he's an extension of the director, and I think that's why those two work together, because one depends on the other. Mm. That's a perfect storm. Yeah. It's another thing we like to say around here. But anyway, there you go. Nice. Jurassic Park. What was what was its uh Gosh. What did it bring in? Because this- the merchandising alone.
0: Man, I don't know if this is adjusted for inflation, because, yeah, June 11th, 1993, it says worldwide gross of a billion dollars.
1: I don't doubt that, because that movie had appeal to both children and adults. Because you think about some of those blockbusters, they might be too much for them, you know, might be a little too graphic, but Jurassic Park, I mean kids want to go to it because they love dinosaurs
0: that's true i know that it, yeah it lets you like yeah exactly as a and, kid and
1: the gore of of jurassic park is and the, very minimal yeah it's and and it's and it's just believable enough you don't need to see much
0: yeah and even yeah the lawyer i guess like just getting eaten on the toilet that's about as gory as it gets
1: that's pretty funny anyway
0: Cool. This is one more to kind of end off maybe the summer blockbuster list.
1: And this is, of course, too from our opinion. Yes,
0: exactly. And I'm just kind of riffing, and, and you know, we it's not you know completely like researched in depth thing.
1: Oh, because we're professionals.
0: I think this one, aside from Jaws, it has to be, I would say, probably one of the best summer blockbusters of all time, just because of the legacy it created and mm. the whole everything it the mm. came in its wake. 1977, a little before I was born, but Star Wars, oh, Episode nice. Four, A New Hope. It's like it, it was a new hope $775 million. It was like a phenomenon obviously. It's Star yeah. Wars, you know. You cannot say anything bad about Star Wars A New Hope. Mm. A perfect movie, um perfect like action, fantasy, heroes and villains and Um, swashbuckling and even though it's set in space it's like pirates and it really is it's kind of yeah an amazing amazing story and also yeah very low budget um, very low awesome effects perfect effects even for the time yeah Um, iconic like Darth Vader and it's, again you know, Luke Skywalker Again, John Williams soundtrack John Williams again Yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. I would love, love, love Episode 4 especially I think Yes Even more than the other ones Like, you know, there's always the debate Empire yeah. or Jedi or-
1: Well, Empire turns 40 this year as well mm. um, But the thing about Empire is It's a thinking man's Star Wars A little slower So, so that's a fun list
0: I think it's time to maybe crack another beer
1: I think it is <laughs> Kyle and I with the nostalgic podcast have partnered up with our buddies over at Garrison Brewery So excited that is so cool like Very cool Our first goal was just to create a podcast That was it We only had one goal but I didn't think we we're gonna actually start you know partnering up with locals but you know what it is it's about it's about connecting with with memories about nostalgia. And one of and one of the coolest things about Halifax for me is that a, a big part of our heritage and uh, my nostalgic memories of marketing and products that were made in Halifax was always a beer city.
0: Mm. Yeah, like before the whole craft beer boom, you know, it was all like we were just all about Keiths because it was yeah, it was and local. even even at that time, it was still local. Like I I grew up in a Halifax where the Keith Brewery was like legit there still before it was bought yeah. by you know I forget who bought them but now they're out of Toronto anyways
1: yeah and you know what kudos to them because yeah, you know it, it only took them 200 years to get there
0: I know Garrison's like OG craft beer in Halifax, and I've loved Garrison for years, man. Day one. Like, Tall Ship is legit probably one of my
1: favorite And speaking beers. of which, <laughs> yeah, let's crack which, that up. All right,
0: yeah, look at that can. Let's-
1: look at that. that. That says Nova Scotia it right does. there. Yeah. Garrison graciously gave us a, a variety. We had the Namaste IPA, which was the ginger and turmeric, but it has a very warm characteristic to it in the sense that while you're drinking it, you feel like... Hmm, there's something a little extra in here, mm-hmm. but it's not, but it's not perfect. Yeah, if you like, like IPAs, you're going to... Yeah, IPA people, you're going to like it. It's a, it's a good variety for you to try. And I'm going to go for this one. This one's pretty fun. So this one I actually tried last year camping. This is a good camping beer. You know, anything... Good any, summer beer. It, hey, I see what you did there. Here's a little bit of nostalgia right under the can. Peaches come from a can. They were put there by a man in a brewery downtown. (laughs) But uh, yeah, the Georgia peach, it is, it's very subtle, not sweet, but it definitely tastes like there are some peaches that were in a barrel potentially next to (laughs) the fermentation keg. And that's what you get here. This is lovely. This is great.
0: Yeah, we're going to try to talk about movies that are horror movies, but set and have a very summer something that kind of like, you know, evokes that idea. Riffs of, off of the heat. Yes. I feel in the the canon of summer camp horror movies, this one just I don't think is nearly mentioned enough. And it's from 1981, director Tony Malam, and it is the burning. Um, yes. So some teenagers pull a prank on Camp's caretaker Cropsy. The joke goes terribly wrong, and the teens leave him for dead after setting him on fire. Uh, and a few years later, the burned and disfigured caretaker returns with his trusty shears, ready to unleash his particular brand of vengeance. Um, but yeah, just, you know, a stock, a hack and slash kind of summer camp setting. But just really, really good effects. I think the first Tom Savini um, special effects
1: job. So Tom Savini did Friday the 13th in 1980. Yeah, and then uh, Tom got the script for part two, said that it was silly turned it down to accept the burning
0: nice but yeah i just yeah i just love just that setting that idea of summer summer camp is just a perfect setting for a horror movie as we've already talked about with sleepaway camp
1: well it became a trope of the horror genre the popularity of the slasher genre started with halloween Mm -hmm. and then was revitalized in 1984 well that's not that long but it took nightmare in elm street to reinvent what a slasher film could be mm-hmm. which really was anything but something set at camp
0: also a great um, completely full head of hair jason alexander
1: oh good lord in yes. the burning yeah. Yeah. super young and dirty
0: a super young jason Alexander.
1: yeah and he's he's up to no good <laughs> he's 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 slinging condoms to guys in the bunks all right what you got sean s cunningham's classic Friday the 13th. Yeah,
0: might as well talk about it.
1: It's one of the most important of the slasher genre. It just is perfect storm. It's everything. The movie is so well shot, it doesn't feel amateurish, which a lot of those films were of that era. Part, part of what works with Friday the 13th is the POV element, but it's used sparingly, much like the exposure of Jaws the Shark. Did, did he make anything afterwards that we are as nostalgic about or had as great of an impact? No. But Friday the 13th created what is known as the slasher genre in terms of this is a slasher movie. A lot still view Halloween as a horror movie, but this is a slasher movie. Period. Print.
0: <laughs> yeah, keeping in on that that theme, um, just a movie, again, that is set in the desert. I mean, you already know which one I'm going to say, but it's just, it oozes, radiates, just like, just completely makes you engulfed in heat. It
1: sounds hot.
0: Uh, and this is, of course, Wes Craven's 1977. The
1: hills have eyes. The lucky ones died
0: first. The film follows the Carters, a suburban family targeted by a family of cannibalistic savages after being stranded in the Nevada desert. And to me... Something that's I've found always horrifying is the uh, is the idea of just being stranded. That's always freaked me out. So I mean, this kind of movie just it just kind of you're just tense and it gives me chills. Like just being completely alone and helpless in the the desert. You know what I mean? In the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Not only that. There's this group of cannibals that live in the mountains and they're coming to get you and they're like picking you off one by one. It's a crazy movie. It is. And actually way crazier than I remember after seeing it again on The Last Drive-In. Really kind of hit home and really impressed um, just me on another watch. Just being like, this movie is actually insane. Like, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Like, when people you don't think or like definitely don't deserve to die, die. Mm-hmm. It's really horrifying, you know, really kind of yeah. just a crazy experience. Now, Alexander Aja, of course, uh, a lot of people consider his remake uh, in the 2000s to be superior, but I don't know, Michael Berryman in the original Hills Have Eyes, you got to give it up for him, oh, the yeah. iconic poster, the yeah. image. And, you know, that's where the idea came from. I mean, don't, no knock on Alexander, like, I mean, high tension Actually, that might be a great summer horror movie um, set in kind of the summer break for those two university girls. But his style, yeah, the remake to Hills Have Eyes is pretty intense as well. But
1: Yeah. I think think they're both uh, era-specific. So, you know, uh, so we're talking about the 70s. That feels like a 70s horror movie. And then you talk about 2006 for the reboot. That feels like... Of the time, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think they're both important to the era in which they were created in. I think they, they reflect that very well. So with that being said, these kind of revenge, grindhouse, horror style, hot movies. So for me, since I am a slasher fan, and not necessarily because I'm nostalgic about camp because I actually never went to camp, was 1983's Sleepaway Camp. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I was wondering if you were going to bring it oh, up. Oh,
1: I definitely will. Yeah, might as well. Well, what's really cool about Sleepaway Camp, aside from what we discussed in our 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 episode, our watch-along episode, was that Sleepaway Camp actually, it's a little more realistic to potentially going to camp Mm -hmm. and maybe the memories of going to camp. Now, not being a camper myself, what I really love about Sleepaway Camp is that it's a very, very, it feels cheap, it looks a little hokey at times, but it's so effective with its graphics and you know, it's just it's it's really neat, and then it's unveiling at the end. It's still timeless. Great soundtrack, underrated in my opinion. Mm-hmm. With some really cool kills, some really shitty characters that deserve to die. It's a flip. It's a one eighty. That's another cool aspect, and a just a, a great a vulgar verbal onslaught by Ricky <sighs> uh,
0: when that guy's throwing water balloons at them. It's like it's 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 unmatched. I think unrivaled. Bricks
1: the killer is not an adult camp counselor or a mother affected by the decisions of camp counselors. It is one of the campers themselves, not just a woman, but potentially a trans woman at the same time. Very, very complex when you kind of break it down in bullet point form. And that's why I think sleepaway camp can't be ignored.
0: Nice. Uh, Yeah, no, that's a good one. So I'm just going to bring it home here. Might as well. Mm -hmm. This is the, I've said it, we said, I said it on the intro to our whole series, it was talking about our favorite movies. Um, So yeah, to me, I mean, not only is it my favorite horror movie of all time, I mean, I would, it's just a perfect summer horror movie in that there's even a shot of the sun and it's just like the sound effects are just blaring the heat is just blaring down on you it has everything it has the wavy heat lines it has what you were saying like the the locusts or whatever that sound of yeah. just like heat in the middle of summer it's set in one of the hottest states i mean i think texas is obviously known oh, oh, yeah I, 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 oh. Oh, so yeah 1974 is <laughs> the texas chainsaw massacre yeah baby oh, just the whole story of how this movie even was made and you know rotting food in the summer heat And then they like eighteen-hour shoot days and just madness and it's it is it is heat and horror perfected. I think on
1: that is a as you said it. I have to quote it from our first episode. It is a descent into hell.
0: Yeah, it's a nightmare.
1: It is horrible.
0: This is not the life you want to live. I think the last half hour is just Sally screaming like and 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 just sound effects of. Just that you know the, the weird like the pots and pans the yes. the the, yeah. the music score they created for it and and yeah. just those jarring hits and like close yeah and close ups of like bloodshot eyes looking back and forth and it's, yeah. the last half hour of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is out of control
1: and again you picked another grindhouse esque. Mm. Yeah. Uh, horror, which I think actually plays into some of your love of Grindhouse.
0: Yeah, I mean, you, 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 you I like you, dirty. Yeah, why do I like dirty, grimy movies? Because you're not a
1: dirty, grimy individual. I guess so. Yeah, it's your <laughs> escapism. TCM, excellent pick. I knew you were going to pick it. Yeah, I had. So since since we're on, uh, we've talked about slashers. We've talked about Grindhouse. We've all already acknowledged the. You know the spectacle known as Jaws. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jaws exists as a top movie in mo- almost pretty well every category it can fall into. It's 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 renowned, but much like Midsummer, sometimes the horror doesn't have to be typical. It Doesn't have to be a trope. Sometimes horror could be something that is very subtle, and can tear you apart throughout the entirety of the film. And there is a there's a lot of what is set up in this film takes place in the summer. It does not end in the summer, however. It's a very, very creative use of light throughout the film as it plays off of the storytelling, the drama, it heightens it, makes it feel uncomfortable, makes it feel hot, makes it feel cold. It is Darren Aronofsky's Requiem for a Dream. Ooh, that's a crazy movie. We Again, we go back to perfect storms of directors and soundtracks. Clint Mansell with the Kronos Quartet. Mm. That infamous Lux Aeterna Mm -hmm. that he created for that film. Now that is an iconic score. That movie, since it's 2020, is now 20 years old. When I was in high school, I used to get up early. You you and I talked about this. You get up early, you watch something, and then you'd have to go to school or something like that. But you leave yourself that window of time to kind of wake up and get ready. Well, I started my day in high school. i come downstairs put on the movie network and before the 7 o'clock time slot there would always be that pocket of late night films Requiem was one of those ones and I saw the ending three times before I saw the whole movie now that's a crazy movie to see the ending of first you come in during that awful, amazing score (laughs) I think, what, I think what upsets me about the music is the images that go with it. Like, if I heard that song right now, I will have chills thinking about the up-close lighting that really makes Ellen Burstyn look horrible and emaciated. I know. And as she's getting electrocuted, and it's synced with the beats of the song, all of that is just like, it's one big music video and you're like, oh my God, that, that that whole ending could maybe be five minutes long, but it feels like an eternity. Yeah. So when I saw that three times and I finally saw the movie, I knew what was going to happen to these poor people. It's so good that if you're having a good day, don't watch it.
0: Yeah. I think I even saw it on a list once where it, it talked about that, like movies that will just completely, you know bring you down almost like a devastating experience, not to see more than once. Yeah. (laughs) And
1: that's on there. And and I think it's a great cast. It's a very odd cast. Yeah, really odd cast. But it's really, really cool. And one of the really cool things about the film, and and this was, honestly, this is one of the first films that got me into loving film more than just for entertainment, like reading film, like digging in deep, was... You know, watching commentary and the making ofs and whatnot, and see what was hidden, what's symbolic. That's really the, this. is the movie that did it for me.
0: All right, so now let's uh, let's just go into a quick uh, little rundown of just this. Now, these are just summer movies. This is this is. It could be any genre, but sure. I think a movie that evokes the spirit and especially the nostalgic quality of right. of summer. And so I'm going to start it off. And this is this is a, this is a. This is a banger right here. Is it? Yes, this, this a is a banger. good one. And this is a nice little, even, t- this would be a great double feature with American Pie now that I'm thinking okay. of it. Okay. And it's 1993 by director Richard Linklater, Dazed and Confused. Oh, yeah. The last maybe. day of school, yeah. only nothing but summer vacation in front of you, and just the, the one day, it's set in over one day, great hangout movie. Love it. Great vibe, great, like, universal character. You know, it doesn't matter that it's set in the 70s, you know, it's we, you have those group of friends, and or you're that one guy. Um, especially you know it kind of it's almost follows the pov of mitch i guess the most but he's also kind of like the quiet he's like the reliable narrator of the piece you know what i mean and he yeah. gets to see all the madness and um just all the antics that kind of come out around him but sure. yeah matthew mcconaughey of course great great starting uh star making turn of uh a very creepy looking back he's kind of a creepy semi-older guy that's like he's like 25 years old still yeah. like Checking out high school girls because they they he keeps getting older and they still stay the same age. Oh my
1: god. <laughs> you know. All right, all right, all right.
0: But yeah, just the that feeling of that movie is pure nostalgic of just like, you know, the last day of school, nothing but summer vacation in front of you. I just love it.
1: Now, I may not actually have a good recommendation for this list, but once I start going back through some of the nostalgic moments of watching movies. You have to understand that as a wrestling fan,
2: <laughs>
1: if a wrestler is featured in a film, you got to watch it. Christopher Lloyd and Hulk Hogan in Suburban Commando.
0: Oh my goodness. I never
1: would have thought of that. Also features a cameo by Mark Calloway, <sighs> also known as The Undertaker. 1991. Weird that you say
0: 1991. 1991. Because that is the year of my next movie. Go for it. Um, and again, so this movie can only take place in summer because when else but summer is a group of surfers going to rob banks all summer oh. to finance the rest of the year where I, I don't even know where they go. anyways, we're talking about of course, point break. And I watched this actually recently. This movie's so awesome. Uh, maybe it ha- holds a special kind of I guess nostalgic place in my heart. Because every, I just, I can rewatch this movie like so many times. If it's on, it's definitely screams 90s. Um, But Keanu Reeves, as of course, Johnny, Johnny Johnny Utah, uh, FBI agent who goes undercover as a surfer to hunt down the ex presidents, who of course are led by Bodie, played by the late great Patrick Swayze. Not only do you have great bank robberies and stuff, but the skydiving. Then there's all of a sudden you're just skydiving and great skydiving um, sequences and, yeah. and shot really amazing you know two actors giving great performances that later just kind of went off the rails and it's really unfortunate because Gary Busey and Tom Sizemore I love them so yes. much and at their peak this is Gary Busey at his peak for sure but I would say Tom Sizemore maybe something like. You know, Natural Born Killers or Saving Private Ryan Which we talked about earlier But this is Pete Gary Busey And it's really unfortunate he got in that accident And got all fucked up Because like, he was really good And really watchable as an actor
2: It's time for lunch Angelo, it's 10.30 Right around that corner There is a sandwich shop They sell meatball sandwiches Best I've ever tasted Would you go get me two? Come on, partner Thank
1: you. Utah, give me two.
0: <laughs> and he just puts up two fingers. and I, So I still bring that back to this day. Like if Dawn's... Hey, Utah.
1: I'll be like, hey, Dawn, give me two. <laughs> this, one's, this one's strange for me, but the more that I thought about it, the more it became apparent that, yeah, this is actually falling into a category of a summer movie that I, I would pick as a summer movie. It's, I know what you did last summer. So the year's 1997, one year after Scream. Again, going back to what we were touching on of, you know, trends and fads within film. If Scream is to Halloween, what Halloween was to slashers, then I know what you did last summer is the Friday the 13th of mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the mid-90s. Um you know, another successful follow-up of that style of genre. Uh, using a lot of tropes, kind of making fun of itself along the way. It's a fun movie. It's got, you know, a very relevant, uh, era-relevant cast. Uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar. Um, my girl. my, oh, my you my, know The crush. Jennifer the, Love Hewitt. That was, that was a big crush of mine. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ryan Philippi uh, Freddie Prinze Jr., Johnny Galecki, Bridget Wilson, like, all of those people mm. have had substantial careers after that f- film. Mm-hmm. Like nobody fell off the rails mm-hmm. of, of that list. Yeah. Um it's interesting. Seventeen million dollar budget, box office, a mm. hundred and twenty five point two million dollars. Yeah, it was a big hit. It was a big Not deal. Not quite scream level. No.
0: But nope. very, very anything over a hundred million. I mean you're almost oh, laughing, certainly. you know.
1: Yeah. Well, the, well. With that being said, uh, the budget of Scream was fourteen to fifteen, and it brought in one hundred seventy-three million. Oh,
0: I thought it would have brought in more. Okay, yeah.
1: Still, I mean, okay. So here's the thing: is that Scream came out in December of ninety-six. This came out in October of ninety-seven. So it took them. It took them almost a year to say, "Yeah, let's jump on this bandwagon now. Let's do this. Let's sign. Let's sign some really hot up-and-comers, Buffy, Buffy the Vampire Slayer." Mm. Yeah. This is
0: probably the most relevant movie anybody could watch right now, but it's also a great summer movie, so um, it's perfect for this list, in that it takes place on the hottest day of the year in Bed-Stuy, New York. Um, a day in the life kind of movie, just kind of like Days to Confused, uh, 1989. Of course, Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing. There you go. If you watch this movie, I swear, if you watch this movie today, it's insane how crazy relevant it is to our times this movie is now what 31 years old Mm -hmm. and literally the same thing happens to radio Rahim that happened to george floyd he was talking about what he was frustrated as a black man in america in 1989 and it's the same shit (laughs) yeah it's it's insane um but yeah of course the summer the summer setting is it takes place in the middle of summer in the hot you can feel the heat everyone's like sweating they're just in their apartments dying of Heat, um, uh, of course, you know, Spike Lee is the, um, what's his name? Mookie, the pizza delivery man that works for Danny Aiello in his pizza shop, Sal's Pizzeria. Um, but yeah, it almost like the movie almost is staged like a play too. It's one thing I almost really liked about it, how it's like a, it's a slice of life, kind of one of those movies, like a Grapes of Wrath or a, yeah. you know, a, just a simple setting, simple characters, but tempers and racial sensitivities and everything just it's literally a boiling pot that comes and boils over and erupts into uh you know violence and and it's just so insane how much it makes sense to the world we still live in today holds a mirror up to society so perfectly
1: i'd be remiss to not pick this one and i don't know truly if we can label it as summer but for me it feels like summer Ferris Bueller's Day Off.
0: Yeah, no, that's a good one. I think that was a, kind of even a summer blockbuster. I think even away. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it, it works as a summer film because it takes—it's about just complete rebellion, like a complete, um, you know, freeing of yourself and doing what you want and just being.
1: Yeah. Even though he's in school, <laughs> assuming it might be fall. Yeah, I know. It's I know, an know, extension of your summer break. Yeah,
0: he's not ready. He's yet. He's taking his own summer vacation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's a good one. Not only is this by my favorite author ever, who I've read, you know, all of his books. Oh. This movie completely embodies nostalgia. It embodies, like, childhood memory. You know, just the, the friends that you used to have that you will always remember, even though you, they're not in your life anymore. Um, it's summer vacation. They they even talk about scenes like they're scared to go back to school. So, you know, it's like that, that perfect, you know, bonding of kids in the summer. Um, and of course it's 1986's Rob Reiner Stand by Me the greatest summer movie to me
1: that is to me that is a made. fantastic pick
0: it's just about friendship it's about adventure being scared but wanting to you know kind of challenge yourself be on your own be your own person mostly i remember and what sticks with me about Stand by Me is just that idea of the times that you look back on. You know what I mean? Like it's even narrated by Will Wheaton as an older man, Richard Dreyfuss, Mm -hmm. who's now a writer and he's writing about his time as a kid. And he's trying to remember, you know, and there's that great quote. No, I never had friends like the friends I had when I was 12. Jesus does anyone. Right. It's like, I think that's true for any, I think anybody can probably say that. Mm. And what is it about that? of like having those friends
1: at that young an age that, well, I think, I think when you turn 12, you're not yet a teenager, but you are so hell-bent on being taken seriously mm. as mature, being independent, that that just that awkward in-between stage between being a child and a grown-up or one to be taken seriously. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think being 12 is a very, very interesting, cool, and confusing time mm-hmm. very, to be. For sure. And when you find other friends that you're 12, I think this is what will actually explain it. Is that it's the bond of others in the exact same boat as you? Yeah. You may not have the same goals or interests in life, but you are all coping with being 12.
0: Yeah. All scared of the same things and excited for the same things. And, um, but just the setup too of let's, let's, like, let's go on this road trip. Let's walk, you know, let's walk and find a dead body and just such an interesting, I like, Just story setting, you know But makes for a perfect adventure road movie And all the things they got up to On their way to see this dead body That they they don't even know if it's really there It turns out it is there Uh, But that's also a great scene too Where they realize, like, you know, the illusion Sometimes the reality is Just not as I don't know Reality is not as exciting as the dream Maybe Um, The chase is better than the catch Exactly And that's that's what probably the movie's about well
1: we've talked about water. <laughs> talked space about land,
0: desert, space. Yeah. Let's
1: go back to the desert. Ooh. You got one more? They say there's nothing new under the sun.
0: <laughs> I know what you're
1: gonna say. But there is under the ground. You love this movie. Tremors. <laughs> Tremors. Love it. This would be one oh one of how you take a movie that kind of defies all the convention at this point. So this is now late 80s, early 90s. We're done with campy flicks. <laughs> We're trying to make solid gold records now, right? Now, this this masterpiece is great for so many other reasons. The practical effects in Tremors is fantastic. The creature effects. The creature itself looks great. Then you've got the mixed bag of actors in it. And all of them are great. Even Reba McIntyre. Oh, yeah. She played that part so perfectly. And
0: what's his name? Michael Gross. Michael
1: Gross is Burt Gunner. Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah. And they have their like underground bunker, their hideaway. Fred Ward and Kevin Bacon. Val and Earl. What a great duo. Um, All they were trying to do... They were just trying to leave the town of perfection. And that's in Nevada. Perfection.
2: Welcome to Bitch Watch. Hi, I'm Sly. I'm Witsy. And we're Two Bitches Watching TV. We're a
1: recap and shit talk show. That's right. We watch hours and hours and hours hours of tv so you don't have to you can listen and laugh along with us everywhere you listen to podcasts and find us on instagram and twitter at bitch watch pod is our show original no entertaining we hope so this is bitch watch
2: stoner chicks
1: we're four friends who met through comedy and bonded through weed i'm grace penzel i'm kayla teal i'm stephanie thompson i'm phoebe richards if you love smoking weed and laughing with your friends This podcast is for you. Weekly episodes will drop on Fridays starting April 2nd. So subscribe now to Stoner Chicks wherever you get your podcasts. Coming to your favorite podcatcher soon. (laughs) Well, that was the summer. First, we want to thank everyone who not only participates online in the discussion, but listens every week. You know, you don't have to be on Twitter to enjoy the show. It is such a trip to be able to see people from all over the world reach out to us, link up through our own silly nostalgia. What I was worried about was that who are we to be another nostalgia, movie, horror podcast in the sea that already is is overwhelming with a category? Yeah. But, you know something has happened along the way that we're actually feeling very, very comfortable um, continuously doing the show. So we're not discouraged and it's all because of you guys. So thank you very much. Amazing. This is great. Yeah, amazing. So you know where to follow us? At Nostaljunk everywhere. You know, that's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Facebook, not so much. I'll, I'll be honest with you. There's a lot of boomers and Karens and Kens on there. Oh, but, God. But... I'm
0: still on Facebook
1: I know you're I know but the Twitter is 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 alive and well that's for sure and that's been a lot of fun that's it's uh, I you know what I will say Twitter is the ability to connect with people instantaneously uh, without having to go through some sort of weird filter like if you want to talk to a celebrity on there chances are you're going to get in touch with them better on Twitter than anywhere else yeah for sure yeah.
0: and I have and I know it's great. and you have exactly. it's great Barbara Crampton yeah
1: lover icon Like, how does she still look young? As the same? same? I don't know. She vampire. I don't know. She's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, We've become friends with an entire group of fellow podcasters. So without it being a competition, it is complimentary of itself. So what we're doing is not trying to compete with each other. It's trying to support each other. We're holding each other up. That's That's the takeaway of 2020. That's what we're doing. For sure. Awesome very very cool and so again you guys know who you are I don't want to start listing names because I'm going to forget another 20 of you honestly there's a lot of you out there that were part of that group so um, the super pod stars the DM group (laughs) you know who you are nice
0: so for Junk Podcast I'm Kyle saying doctor come on what what always do the right thing that's
1: it that's it I got it I'm gone. So this is Matt for a Nassau Junk podcast saying, 1,100 men went into the water, 316 men come out. The sharks took the rest. June the 29th, 1945. Anyway, we delivered the bomb. (laughs)
0: Oh, yeah. I don't know. I was just like...